the seven will uh, turn to. I'd like to share a few thoughts today about God's choosing in the uh, in people's school days they probably remember um, times where um, a team is being picked and um, the best players often get picked first and if you're left at the end of the row um, it's not an enjoyable moment to find out that you weren't sort of uh, maybe necessary for the team um, in the business world when uh, your interview happens and you find out you didn't get the job, there was probably somebody else that was more qualified and, and, um, and so it goes on in life that we, uh, we know that there is, uh, it's a competitive world and maybe in uh, the world's eyes we don't always end up at the, the top of the pile. But in God's choosing, it's quite different. And I'd like to have a little bit of a, a look uh, at a few scriptures that, uh, and go through a few actually, if we can move along, to uh, paint a bit of a picture. So if we start in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and in verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, has the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now God could have decided when he was going to start to work in the world that I'll pick Egypt because that is a, an amazing nation and what I could do with Egypt if I used all of their talent and all of their power that they have established, I could really do something with these people. But that's not what he chose. And it says here he actually did quite the opposite. And he took a people that were descended from Abraham because he loved Abraham, because Abraham was a man different to others. He was a man who heard God's calling, as we were hearing before. He heard the voice of the Lord and he moved away from quite an establishment in the city of Ur and he just went where God led him and God loved him because this man heard the calling of God. And as a result, Abraham's seed, uh, his offspring, his children, his grandchildren, etc., were blessed by God and God started to build a nation. And that's what he's uh, describing here um, about this nation that was to be formed. It was sort of still in the forming. It wasn't uh, described as a nation yet, but they were a big number of people that had grown and had moved together. Let's go to uh, Judges chapter 6. The period of time we've moved along to here is where um, God's chosen little group of people has become quite flourishing and they've gone 
away from Egypt where they were captive and they've gone on a long journey that took 40 years and eventually they've landed in what was called the promised land and while they're here they haven't really set up again as a nation yet they are a people they're a group of uh, of tribes and they um, they're getting enemies from all around that are sort of trying to come in against them as they're establishing in the country and this is a particularly difficult time where the enemies are sort of getting on top of them and in verse 11 and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in in uh, uh, Ophrah as opposed to Oprah that pertained unto Joash the Abiezrite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him the Lord is with thee thou mighty man of valor and Gideon said unto him O my Lord if the Lord be with us why then is all this befallen us and where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of saying did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt and now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites so he he knew the history going right back to Moses coming out of the out of Egypt he knew the history right back to to Abraham I'm sure and he says all these things that I grew up with that were miraculous why aren't they happening in my life and in our lives right now and in verse 14 and the Lord looked upon him and said go in this thy might and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites have not I sent thee and he said unto him O my Lord wherewith shall I save Israel behold my family is poor in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house and the Lord said unto him surely I will be with thee and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man and he said unto him if now I have found grace in thy sight then show me a sign and the story goes on so here you've got a man who in his heart desires a good thing but his background in his own immediate family is one where he's sort of thinking well our family's not a standout family we haven't got much and I'm not a standout in my family why would you pick me and yet God says to him I will be with you and you will do this and so he takes this man who's quite uh, lacking in confidence in his own ability or experience or training and he takes this man and decides I'm going to make it look like it can only be the hand of God nothing else and so when Gideon goes the people rally behind him and he has a he has an army of 32,000 that assemble and God says I don't want all those I only want 300 because I want this to be my hand and it's a marvellous story good for bedtime reading we've got children in here at the moment maybe it's one you can read with mum and dad tonight and there's a there's a fantastic story here of how 300 defeat an army and it's a it is a a great read let's go to um back to deuteronomy chapter 23 I want to just touch on something here to connect to another story so we'll read in verse 3 I'm just trying to wear your new Bibles in if you've got new ones 
verse 3. An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. For that, during that time. Because they met uh, you not with bread and with water in the way when you came forth from Egypt. And because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor of Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. So this is a little thing that happened as they were escaping Egypt. And on the way to the promised land, that these people were not at all helpful. In fact, they were trouble to Israel. And God said, I'm going to remember this about these people, about these Ammonites and these Moabites, these two nations. So now let's go to the book of Ruth. And chapter 1. And we're still in this period before they are a nation. And um, so Ruth is after Judges. In verse 1, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, the place where God had said, I've had enough of them. And it would have been stuck in their minds that for 10 generations, people would have thought that's forever. And maybe that nation would have always been typecast as we will never have anything to do with them and they will never get any blessing from God. Even 11 or 12 generations down the track, it would have been well set in place. But in a time of difficulty, we find this family goes there and they, um, the two sons marry local ladies they marry uh, ladies who are Moabites and eventually the two sons die and so the lady and and the the father dies so the lady is left by herself thinking what am I going to do I'm going to go back to Israel and the two daughters-in-law have to decide what they're going to do because they've lost their husbands and and one of them we hear uh, a bit of an appeal from her here um, we'll start in verse 14 and they lifted up their voice and wept again and Orpah one of the daughters-in-law kissed her mother-in-law but Ruth the other one clave to her and she said behold thy sister-in-law is gone back to her people and to her gods return thou after thy sister-in-law and Ruth said entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee for whither thou goest I will go And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. And again, this is a great bedtime story. It's not very long, about four chapters, three or four chapters. And we find that this lady Ruth that's come from the Moabites that all had had bad history with the Lord. Nevertheless, God says, I will choose this one lady out of that group who's different to the others. And I will use her. I'll bring her in amongst my people. And she becomes uh, uh, in the line of 
King David, who comes from her later, and Jesus eventually. So the grace of God to show mercy here after there'd been rejection and now to say, I will bring this person in, I'll choose this person. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 22. So moving along in the history, we're now at a period where Israel is established as a nation. It has its first king by the name of Saul. And this uh, king starts out well, but in uh, no time at all, he gets lifted up with pride. And the Lord actually says to, well, the prophet says to him, when you were little in your own eyes, I chose you. But he became proud. And he became very angry at a young man, David, who was a hero of the people because he slew Goliath. And the king decided one day to grab a javelin and throw it at David. And David uh, realised that uh, his days were numbered and that he wasn't popular with the king. Uh, and, And he took off. And so we pick it up here in chapter 22, verse 1. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. So family members um, all went down to support him. And in verse 2, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Now David wasn't the only one that was struggling in the nation. He wasn't the only one that perhaps was suffering as, as to what was going on in the kingdom. And it, he drew others to him because of uh, the position that he was in. And you read of them here, of, of those in real need, of people in distress, people in debt, and people who were discontented or unhappy. These group, this group of people, and you could imagine that he could have had a whole lot of people there that were just uh, first off sitting down having a good grizzle together maybe and uh, or um, they they just found it was a moment to sort of uh, encourage each other and say we want to fight on in our lives we want to have hope in our lives we don't want to be we don't want to be dragged down by the circumstances that have hit us and and it ended up that there was blessing to this group. And we find that, um, that the message that, that God had even at this time was that even though the nation was out of sorts, that God still saw the individuals. And the nation was running into trouble because of its king. And, um, and yet God was prepared to to find David and to look after him in this particular time. Let's go to um, um, Psalm 34. (laughs) 
and verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken spirit and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. And here's the, here's the secret that is in the middle of, of these stories, that God is looking for humility. And sometimes it takes us to be broken to really find humility. You know, when everything's going well, humility may not um, be necessarily our, our, our counsellor. <laughs> Um, when everything is run along well. And even King David, who wrote this, he had another time where he made a really bad mistake. And we read of it in, uh, I think it's Psalm 51, where, fact, we might just go there for a second, Psalm 51, um, just a few pages over. <laughs> where... Uh, he realised his own vulnerability and, and things went wrong for him. Um, in verse 7, he says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. And he, he's going through a, a, a very uh, soul-searching time where um, he was... In, in a sense, he had been lifted up too. He'd become king. And, and then all of a sudden, he'd made a mistake and, and he, he realises that his humility is just so vital to him, the thing that he'd lost. And in verse 9, he says, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And he, and he pleads with the Lord here. Please just don't... Don't look at that. Um, it's a, it, it is a, a, a real soul-searching chapter, this, and we sing a chorus that uh, uh, starts with the next verse, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Take me back to how it started with you and, and with me. And down in verse um, um, 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. And, and so he's just saying, I, I just want to be back in that position where I feel confident with you again, and that I can say that to other people, that I don't feel that I've got to back off, uh, but that I'll, I'll feel good. And um, in verse 14, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall so show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not despise. And he, he understands that, and, and particularly at this time, he's so much reminded it doesn't matter what presents you might bring to God or what offering you might bring to God. Or, and, and, and it's so easy in religion and, and its whole presentation to think we must bring things to God. We must put on certain presentations for God. And, and David says, I know what it is. And in the middle of his 
of his challenge in his own life. He says, I know what it is. It's when I've got a humble, contrite spirit, then all of a sudden I connect. And he became, again, I suppose, small in his own eyes. And God, God really works with that. David wrote another psalm, Psalm 139. It's a terrific psalm. And he said, search me, O God, another song we sing, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so he, he realised that his, his honesty, his, his uh, simple approach between him and God was his saving grace. And from there, he would be lifted up and blessed. Let's uh, go into the New Testament, uh, John chapter 1. So we come a long way now from the Old Testament. The nation eventually sort of pretty much... Uh, Oh, I should have gone there first, actually. Isaiah 28, sorry. Let's just go back. Because I was trying to do it a little bit consecutively. Isaiah 28. Eventually, this blessed nation of Israel, which became an amazing nation, and, and they, they had riches, they had... They had Buildings. They had the Queen of Sheba came to see how great a nation it was and how happy the people were. That's that's where it got to. But eventually, again, it went downhill as they got lifted up with pride. And we find that they, uh, in verse seven of chapter twenty-eight, it describes that they just uh, even to the prophet and the priest, there was wine, strong drink, and judgment was just taken away from them. The balance of things was gone. In verse 8, it describes in detail, all tables were messy. (laughs) And in verse 9, so he says, Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? So which team am I going to pick now? And he says, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. And he starts to talk now about taking the young. What will I do with the young? And in verse 11, he describes uh, about how this is going to happen. He says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. And so he brings in this thought about people being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, about people being born again. And there are some people here that have been born again 40 plus years ago there is others who've been born again in the last year and we've come into the family of God by this experience and all of a sudden God has chosen us and we might have considered ourselves as the least in our in in our family or we might have said well my heritage isn't particularly uh good you know I didn't come from a Christian background and we, um, I've, I've got a history of some troubles. And God is inviting us all in, whether we are in debt, whether we are in distress, whether we are discontented. And he's saying, I'm choosing you. And I'm choosing you 
as born-again people, when I put my spirit in you, to start to mould you and shape you the way that I would have you. And this is his delight, as we read here. He said, I've tried everything else, but this is the way I want to do it now. And, and again, it's a bit like Gideon, that our story will not be because of what we have done. Our story will be because of what he has done. And we will, we will find ourselves with stories that we thought we could only ever read about. And haven't we got that here? Hasn't right across the room here, who's got a story that is worth writing a book about? We have. Every one of us could write a book that would be exciting. We might not think of ourselves as a writer, but the stories we've got are incredibly unique. And and we could take our, our before and after before we personally knew the Lord and after we personally knew the Lord. And some of us have come out of the world, some of us have grown up in the church and we've had two testimonies here of people who've grown up in the church. And even there, there is a difference from when it was, I guess, your parents looking after you to a point where your personal relationship with God started and your own personal miracles and and events in your life became your story. And you could write and say, and then it changed, you know, when these things started to happen to me. So let's go now to the New Testament, to the book of John. Chapter 1. Verse 43. So the way that people can have their lives changed now, of course, is through Jesus. And let's uh, have a a bit of a look at Jesus. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip says to him, Come and have a look. Can anything good thing come out of this forgotten, useless place? Nazareth perhaps was the butt of all jokes. As, um, as we have ourselves in our own times, we make jokes about, you know, people, different countries make jokes about each other. When Ramundo was in New Zealand, do they make jokes about Australians or do they make jokes about somebody else? No, they rip it to everyone. They rip it to everyone, <laughs> okay. Uh, but whichever country you go to, they sort of they have a go at another country. It's sort of, it's the way of things. Mostly Australians, yeah and vice versa. Um, and, and hopefully a lot of it's done in fun more than in reality. But Nazareth was one of those places that you would think, this is not the place where we are going to get the King of Kings. He is not going to come from there. He's got to come from Jerusalem, or he's got to come from somewhere special, but not from Karakalinga sort of thing. He's not going to come from there. He's going to come from somewhere special. And so they were put off in their minds 
and in their thinking because of, of maybe their preconceived ideas. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. In verse 23. And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the, the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto uh, Sarepta or Zarephath, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and they wanted to kill him. Now, Jesus is telling a bit of a story here of a couple of examples where you've got a widow and a leper. Now, if we talk about the least of people, about who's not going to be chosen, about who perhaps feels they haven't got a lot to offer, that maybe those two positions in life you might start to think, I haven't got a lot to offer. And yet, God in his story here, he said, well, actually, I chose to do something very special for that widow and for that leper. And, and, and I've recorded that here, that I wanted to look after them. But note that it wasn't all the widows and it wasn't all the lepers. Because just, just because hardship comes upon a person's life doesn't necessarily mean that all of a sudden they line up for God. And I um, might have mentioned this story before, but one time we, were, we had the uh, Bible prophecy display on at the royal show. And we had the, the tent uh, down there, and red, white and blue marquee, and people were coming past. And this particular moment, there was uh, some healing boards that were out the front, and quite a crowd had sort of gathered in front of it. And while I was standing there, there was a guy that sort of reached through and tapped me on the shoulder, and he, he was sort of looking at it from over somebody else's shoulder, and he said, um, is this true? Does this work? And I said, yes, it does. And he handed me a card and said, will you come and see me? I thought, don't normally get that sort of an offer. So I went around to see him, and it turned out that what had happened to him was that his... Uh, um, um, restaurant business had um, collapsed he had a good business and he'd had a breakdown and so I told him what the Lord could do to help him and uh, he said I've heard this before he, he said I, almost word for word I've heard this before and I said when and he said well my restaurant business went down once before and he said I crashed this is the second time this has happened to me and he said, that first time, he said, when I heard those things, I was quite, you know, taken by it. And I said, what did you do with it? He said, oh, I didn't do anything about it. And he said, I'd gradually got my business back together. I said, what are you going to do this time? You're going to get your business back together or you're going to give God a chance. 
I didn't hear from him again. I assume he did it his way. But here, in this story, we find a couple of people who, I guess, were crushed. And they said, I need God. And God did an amazing miracle for the... And again, a great story to read for the widow. And did an amazing story for the leper. Because they were one in a crowd. They were one in a million. And, and not everybody... We, we, we'd love it that everybody would come to listen to the gospel. But God's looking for the humble and contrite spirit. For the, for the one in a crowd. Let's go to First Peter chapter 2. And um, in verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, in fact I could have read this out of Isaiah 28, I forgot to. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Now, when a building is started, a traditional building made of stone or brick, the corner is very important. It's where the, the, this direction, that direction is set and how straight it is vertically. It's all set from the corner. And so the first stone that is put in place or the first bricks that are put in place are very important. And what's being mentioned here is that the builders actually refused the first stone and God was saying the first stone needs to be Jesus Christ because he's the one that sets the standard in this direction, in this direction, in this direction. And, and it's saying here that they took the stone, the, the metaphor stone of Jesus Christ and said, out with him, we're going to build our own building. And so people build a big building but they don't build it based on Jesus Christ. And when the real troubles come, it comes crumbling down. But when it's built on Jesus Christ, then there is a good building. And so, so often we find now that the name of Jesus Christ is of no value to people in the world at all. It, it, you, you can bring it up and they duck the other way. Um, I was, you know, come back from camp and we're all bright and I'm buying something at the supermarket and the, the, the girl behind the counter makes the mistake of asking me whether I've had a good week. <laughs> so I tell her what's happened and some of the things I've heard and the answer is, well, if it works for you. <laughs> and, and you think, oh, if only, if only you could just have a little look and, and, and see what is happening. And so there are people who, who just reject the stone that is, that is put in front of them. And yet I met another brother at camp from Berry, Max, for those of you who have met him, who uh, was just in the street in Berry, I think is how the story goes, and he just got invited by one of our sisters to, uh, just to come to a meeting. That was it. And he, he had nothing else to do. He came along and... Um, 
His life has been all over the place. He's a bit, uh, I think he would describe himself as a bit rough around the edges, um, but he's a rough diamond. And, and I got to join together, or he got to join together some interesting dots because while we were talking, he mentioned he used to be in the police force. And uh, I said, oh, you should meet one or two of our police officers. And I mentioned Trevor Gray. And um, he said, actually, we've already spoken. And um, what had happened, um, an event many years ago that uh, a friend of his had um, been involved in a, a, a crash uh, with a truck and he'd gone to hospital and they all thought he was on his way out, gone, and, um, and there was a lot of tears. And uh, as they're saying goodbye to their good close friend and he said afterwards after he left there he heard that a couple of men came and saw him in hospital and prayed for him and um, he uh, later heard that this man had come out of the hospital and was learning to walk and getting back in his life and things were repairing and it turns out I think Trevor was one of those men that went into the hospital to pray and here's some <laughs> some uh, dots being joined as we see this man who was just by the side of the street just not knowing where his life was going to go and God's now said here have a new start got him born again and shown him what how God was already calling him ages ago and wanted him to to see what could be done in his life and now he's lapping it up God's taken him and said you're one in a million and, and I'm going to use you in my work. And we go on here in verse 8, it says about Jesus, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offence, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people we like to laugh about, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. And what have we done that we should be picked in the best team ever? How did we ever deserve that? That we should be, as it says here, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we ourselves have been taken from where we were and put into this position. And we might not feel like this every day as life goes on and we're facing this or that or the other. But the Lord is saying, have a look at your birth certificate. Your birth certificate now says, Father, God. That's, that's now on our, our new birth record. And, and he has now taken us and brought us into his family and said... I'm going to do things in your life which you could never have even imagined. Let's go to Matthew 13, just look at something to wind down on. And verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like 
to a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all seeds but when it is grown it has become it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof you ever seen a mustard seed it's tiny it's like a little dot hardly find it on the palm of your hand and so the least of all seeds and the lord says i take this tiny little seed and i turn it into this great big bush well he calls it here it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come in to lodge in it and so he says to us of our life that i'm going to take you and i'm going to plant you and what will come from you will be something really glorious we mightn't see it that way but he sees it and he says and other people will become to draw they'll be drawn to rest with you and so what is it that you have when i'm with you i just it things feel better when i when i talk to you 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 talk about things which are far greater and he and he and he he raises up his church like that this this big tree and he picks unusual places and says um, in the middle of uh, switzerland in a place called Bern, i will find a lady here called ildi and i'll get her to talk to her sister out in the middle of Bern, or i'll take somebody um, in a little township of gaula this small township we have to the north of, of our city here and and all these people come to the lord up there and you think how did that happen and pastor graham's been very close to all of that happening over over many years and and been able to enjoy seeing the changes in people's lives and how that's happened and where else will god say i see there a person who doesn't necessarily look great but i'm going to build something out of their life and i'm, I'm going to make it so obvious that it's my hand it'll be it'll be nothing else and and i will go to countries like papua new guinea that maybe people are thinking oh, where's that and i'm going to do something that's going to blow their minds and people in the west will be jealous because it won't be the the strength of western technology it won't be the the industry of the west it'll just be my hand amongst a humble and contrite people and i'll go to the solomon islands and i will go to africa and i'll go to places where where people think oh they're the third world what do they know and i'll build up out of a, a, a grain of mustard seed a mighty work and i'll go to hackham west or wherever where people sort of um sorry if you live there <laughs> but but hallelujah if the lord does more in your suburb because of, of the fact that there might be a few more needy people there and we don't mind if they come from burnside but so often people when they've got a bit more they want less from god and 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 may we um continue to believe that god has made us now uh, his children may we never ever think less than that so that as uh, as this year progresses and we we see what unfolds in our lives we think that's god's plan he's wanting that to happen for me this is not just my thought here this is god's plan he wants to do a great thing in my life in my child's life or or my friend's life 
because he has chosen me. All the people said? Leave it there.